comes jumping off my Chinese house. Two ducks in my spyglass, furry as a mouse. It's a suey nature, a suey nature thing. It's a suey nature, a suey nature thing. It's a mighty fine, a mighty fine nature thing. It's a mighty fine, a mighty fine nature thing. Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 196, Counting Sheep. Monday, April 30th, 2018. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. The Yarns at Yinhu podcast has a Facebook page and it's available on iTunes. Each week I post photographs, show notes, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyinhu.com. Today's episode features the following segments Yarn Lover at Large the back porch, the front porch, off the shelf, and so forth. Thank you to everyone who has made a purchase of the Humblebee sock pattern. Together, we have made a contribution to Heifer International so far that purchases 10 hives of honeybees for agrarian families. This contribution is important because it helps to support bee populations around the globe, and it also helps agricultural families in numerous ways. It helps to increase pollination of some of their crops, and the sales of honey can help them to earn income during seasons when the produce is not in season or they're not able to sell as much produce as they normally do. I will continue to contribute $2 from each pattern sale of the Humblebee Socks to this effort. I will keep you posted as to my contributions. I've opened a thread on Ravelry for photographs of your Humblebee Socks. Any questions that you have while you're knitting or if you run across a problem, that would be a great place to ask for advice about these socks. And I'm really eager to see what yarn you're using, how your socks knit up, and most importantly, what you think of the fit. The Humblebee design is cute. I think it's attractive without being uh, irritating in your shoe. But I'm really interested in um, the heel and the double gusset on the bottom of the foot and the ribbing and whether or not you might repeat any of that in the future to knit other sock designs. One thing that occurred to me this weekend as I was talking to people at the Knit Local Retreat about this sock design is that when you make the little humblebee cable, I always find that one of the wings is slightly longer than the other and the little bee looks a bit lopsided. And to correct that, I just insert a needle under the wings of the, the shorter set of wings and I just lift up a little bit and make a little tug and that evens out the stitch length. 
for those wings and makes the bee look a little more symmetrical. Sales of my pattern designs help me to cover the costs of hosting an audio podcast. And so I'm very appreciative when you buy my patterns for yourself or for a friend or you recommend any of my designs that you have enjoyed knitting because each pattern sale goes directly to funding all of the costs that are associated with keeping the Yarns at Yinhu podcast going. This past weekend, I traveled to Greenwich, New York for the Knit Local Retreat and the Washington County Farm and Fiber Tour. I had been looking forward to this event since completing my surgery and going into recovery mode. I was so, so thankful for Carol Foster and Mary Jean Packer for taking on the organization of this retreat when it was really not in my wheelhouse to strategize, organize, or do all the lifting and moving associated with with running a retreat. Um, So I'm so, so thankful. They did a wonderful job. And they also enlisted the help of one of our retreat goers, Amy, who assisted a lot with, with the organization and making everyone feel a very warm welcome. I'd like to just give a shout out to all of my fellow retreat goers. So there was Mary Jane and Carol that I already mentioned, as well as Amy and Lauren, Lynn, Lisa, Sophia, Emma, Laura, Sarah, Mary Beth, Jesse, Julie, Jenny, Jacqueline, Maya, and Diane. I tried my very best to spend some time conversing with everyone who was there. I'm much better one-on-one or small group conversation than, than large group. So I try to just keep moving and circulating and having conversations and seeing what people are knitting. The Knit Local Retreat is a really warm and wonderful event because it focuses on the local farms and farm products. Of course, they include yarn and fiber, but also honey, maple syrup, other handmade goods, and just the feeling you get when you really make a connection with the people who produce the products that you want to consume, you choose to consume. We start with a communal supper and everyone brings their own contributions. There was some really delightful examples of hashtag power pantry going on for this event with wonderful soups, breads, cookies, um, and people bringing local produce like Diane brought some amazing local cheeses and butter. It was just a really wonderful uh, dining experience, warm and wonderful. And then on Saturday, we toured some mills, farms, Carol's Yarn Shop. We had our traditional ice cream lunch at the Batten Kill Creamery. And we retreated to a really gorgeous, warm and beautiful, sunny spring day on Saturday, which lifted everyone's spirits and 
made all of our travels that much more pleasant. On Saturday evening, we ended up staying in to knit. There were plenty of leftovers of soup and all kinds of snacks and goodies, and everyone just kind of picked and noshed and knitted and showed off everything that we had purchased over the course of the day, which was a lot of fun. And then on Sunday, we had kind of a leisurely morning. It was dreary and raining. Some folks left for home straight off, and some of us headed up to Dancing U Farm, which is the northernmost farm on the tour, for a beautiful prefix lunch in their really romantic dining room. It was just so wonderful, cozy on a very dreary day. And we were just stuffed full of amazing meats and cheeses, cured vegetables, and some really delicious panna cotta with um, a honey from Italy for dessert. Truly decadent and wonderful. One of the traditions at this Knit Local retreat is that we contribute items to a spirit basket and then we raffle off items in the basket and use that raffle money to raise some funds for a local initiative. And this year we raised over $100 for the Hudson Valley um, textile project. I will put a link to this in my show notes. You can find out more about it if you happen to be traveling to the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival this weekend. I recommend that you visit the Battenkill Fiber Mill booth. There you will be treated to some of the products that we were able to purchase on the Farm and Fiber Tour. And Mary Jean also has some items available that support this Hudson Valley textile project and will be happy to tell you more about it. So we were very pleased to be able to work together to make this contribution. The retreat is quite simple and spare and it isn't expensive. And so one of the benefits of that is that folks have a little more funds at hand to support the local farmers and uh, whatever initiative that we happen to be uh, raising money for during the retreat. So the Hudson Valley Textile Project is definitely something to keep your eye on. It's in its beginning stages and really has a lot of potential. And I think that you'll want to be kept aware of its expansion ideas and the different products that are being produced. We were given two beautiful felted wool coasters in our goodie bag. Um, They're lovely just on their own. They're also an amazing canvas, perhaps for some embroidery or some needle felting. And um, they will be on sale at the Battenkill Fiber Mill booth at Maryland Sheep and Wool and probably wherever Mary Jean vends at any festival where she vends. She'll have some of those products and information about that effort. One thing that I neglected to do during this retreat was take a lot of photos. I was kind of focused on conserving my energy and interacting with everyone who was there and not very good at just whipping out my camera and taking photographs of the amazingly beautiful things that were everywhere. 
So I hope that you will see some of the photos from this experience posted around social media and you can enjoy some of the sites. I put together just a very few of the photos that I had the wherewithal to take, but that definitely was not a forte of mine on this retreat. One thing that I am getting better at is falling asleep after a day of really intense socialization. That's always been a challenge for me because I'm very tired. I lie down, but my head is still really spinning with the events of the day. Or sometimes as I build up to something that's very important in my life, my head is spinning with making lists of things I need to do or things I don't want to forget. And then I get this, you know, feeling that I'm never going to fall asleep. And I have developed a method recently of counting sheep that is very effective as a sleep aid. And what I do is I go through the alphabet and I try to come up with a sheep breed for each letter of the alphabet. And doing some sort of monotonous task like this, after a while I start forgetting what letter I'm on or I have a really hard time finding a breed for like the letter H. And then, you know, suddenly it comes to me and then I jump to the letter W and I feel like I'm getting mixed up and then before I know it. I've fallen asleep. So that's become my tried and true method for a sleep aid. And I thought I'd share it with my knitter friends because maybe it will work for you. The back porch. Before I left for the Knit Local Retreat, I was able to complete Tegna. It's a design for a knitted top with a lace border by Caitlin Hunter. I've been working on this top for quite a while and I stalled because I just felt like I didn't have the bandwidth to do all of the shoulder shaping. And I was also stuck as to which method I would use for all of the shaping, whether I would bind off stitches or put them on a holder. And while I couldn't decide, I just I just wasn't knitting on it at all. I really liked the shape of Tegna. It resembled the Deschain sweater, which I've been getting a lot of wear out of. It's quite a cropped and boxy design with quite fitted sleeves. So the, the appearance isn't just completely oversized and baggy, but instead it has drape in the body and then a little more definition in the sleeves so you can sort of see the feminine shape underneath the garment. I think these um, types of sweaters work very well with sleeveless dresses or tunics, something smooth and one piece over the end, over the, the body. Uh, I don't think they work very well with a defined waist, like with jeans or a skirt or something that cuts you across the middle, except if it's extremely high-waisted. The the cropped look and then something that closes or cuts off at the waist, to me, that's not a very 
wise pairing of, of garments. So I have been wearing my Tegna with staple dresses, with some knit dresses, and with my new metamorphic dress as well. I finally decided to use the putting stitches on holders method of shaping the shoulders, and I was a little bit worried that uh, my technique was sloppy. It was looking a little ragged around the neckline. In all of the photos, it looked really nice, and I was wondering if that was just me. But it turned out that the shoulder shaping worked okay, and then the way the neckline is knit and then just the stockinette rolls over itself, that technique seems to cover up some of the shaping that I was worried about. So in the end, that actually came out looking pretty nice. The sleeves, as many knitters have mentioned, are quite tight. They're fitted. And I took the method of knitting this Tegna with sport weight yarn in the smallest size. And I wished I had done a little bit longer um, armhole opening so that the sleeves were a little bit more loose. They're fine, but that's one improvement that I would have made. Um, I also, because I was knitting with a sport weight yarn and I didn't want the beautiful lace design to end just under my bust. I shortened the lace design by taking out four different rows that were completely knit stitches, I think. Um, so there's no real overall effect on the lace. It still mimics the lace in the original design, but it shortened the number of border stitches overall. I used a faux seam on the side and I did something that I've been doing with um, these boxy kind of patterns, which is I don't make the back and the front the, the same stitch count. I keep the back fewer stitches than the front so that there isn't extra fabric or so much extra fabric in the back. And then these sweaters don't really call for, for bust starts or increases for the bust, but that excess fabric in the front kind of accommodates the bust. So um, the drape and fit is a little bit better. I did a little bit of short row shaping around the front and the back um, just after completing the border. And overall, I'm, I'm quite pleased with this cropped top. And I really like the look of the yarn I used, which is Wing and a Prayer Farm's Taconic Twist. Mary Jean confirmed that it was milled at the Battenkill Fiber Mill. And this yarn has been hand-dyed by Tammy of Wing and a Prayer Farm with logwood. The logwood crocked really something terrible on my fingers as I was knitting the sweater. And I did a very hot soak with some soak before blocking the sweater and none of it came out. And it didn't seem to come off on my clothes either. I don't think I would wear something very light colored under this garment until I figure out the crocking. 
but I didn't turn purple. It wasn't bleeding all over me. It really seemed fine. So I'm a little bit mystified as to why so much of the color was coming off on my hands as I knit, but it didn't really seem to come out of the yarn when I soaked it. It blooms beautifully and shows off the gorgeous lace work in the sweater very nicely. Once again, that is Tegna by Caitlin Hunter, knit in Wing and a Prayer Farms Taconic Twist, a sport weight, 100% wool yarn. On the front porch is Iris, a gorgeous warm weather shrug designed by Melody Hoffman. I am hosting a knit along for this garment with Emily of Fibertown. And I'd really love if you would join me. I have downloaded the pattern and looked over the specifications. This calls for about 1,000 yards of a fingering or light fingering weight yarn. Samite is what Melody used for her pattern, and I have purchased some Samite in the Peacock's Neck colorway, this gorgeous sapphire blue from the Woolly Thistle. And Claire continues to have 10% off Samite purchases if you're interested in scoring some beautiful Samite yarn. It's a wool sustainable silk blend and it's a light fingering weight. So two skeins will do it. The put up on these skeins is very high, but you could also look through your stash and come up with some fingering or light fingering weight or maybe a lace weight and a cobweb held double. There, I know you have some options in your stash for this shrug, something that would be beautiful. I think you could also figure out how to use maybe some separate colors by alternating skeins and, and doing a little bit of striping action with two yarn colors that may be very close. And if you just knit back and forth, row to row, you could blend two skeins to create this design. It has a gorgeous but quite straightforward lace and then a border. And you just pull it over your shoulders. Great with sleeveless tops or strappy tops during the summer and you hit that air conditioning or it gets chilly in the evening it just looks like a really beautiful and highly usable garment. So Emily and I will be starting to knit our Iris shrug on May 5th. It's the Saturday of the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival. And we have decided that we would do the provisional cast on beforehand and set up row where we place markers. And then we would knit together a little bit on this project at the festival. We hope you will join us and knit along and post your photos. Um, but this will be about a two-month cal, so any time after that when you make your decision on your yarn will be just fine, but knit along. We have great prizes. I will also be knitting up another Deshane sweater. There was a lot of talk about Deshane at the retreat, and since Mary Jean was selling some Aran weight yarn at Battenkill Fiber Mill, it's the 
perfect choice to knit this sweater. I have actually knit my first Deshane sweater by Layla Robb on worsted weight yarn, Cotton Comfort from Green Mountain Spinnery. And I purchased some yarn at Battenkill Fiber Mill to do a more traditional version of this sweater. But I also have some more Cotton Comfort in a light color. And since this has become such a staple over dresses and tunics, I think having a few of them in my wardrobe makes a lot of sense. So I'm not sure if I'll start an Aran weight or a worsted weight one next, but I plan to knit a Deshane sweater and it seems like a lot of folks from the Knit Local Retreat will be knitting one as well. Emily of Fibertown just finished one, I think in less than two weeks, and she has a beautiful photo of herself in this sweater. So if you've been thinking of it, take a look at her Instagram feed and consider the Deshane sweater from Layla Robb. The other pattern I mentioned in this segment is the Iris. It's a shrug designed by Melody Hoffman of the Bee Mandarines podcast. Off the shelf. It's the last day of April, and April is National Poetry Month, so I thought I would include a poem from Honeybee. In a previous episode, I read another poem, Bees Do It Better, uh, by Naomi Shihab Nye. And so this week, I'll be sharing Ted Kuzer is my president. The publication date of Honeybee is 2008, so Naomi and I was clearly not referring to the current administration, and yet I feel that the sentiment expressed is appropriate. Ted Kuzer, if you don't know, is a beloved American poet from the Midwest. He's a very mild, soft-spoken, elegant man who served as our U.S. Poet Laureate from 2004 to 2006. Ted Kuzer was born in 1939, and one of his projects is a column, a newspaper column called American Life in Poetry. It is free. Any newspaper can use the content free of charge, and Ted Kuzer simply selects and briefly introduces poems that he feels are representative of American life. I will link to the archives of this project in the show notes. It's a great place to look for accessible poetry by American poets if you're interested in in exploring. Ted Kuzer is my president. When I travel abroad, I will invoke Ted's poems at checkpoints. Yes, Barnes. Yes, memory. Gentility. The quiet little wind among the stones. If they ask, you are American? I will say, Ted's kind of American. No, I carry no scissors or matches. Yes, horizons. Dinner tables. Yes, weather. The honesty of it. Buttons chickens. Feel free to dump my purse. I'll wander to the window, stare out for days. 
Actually, I have never been to Nebraska except with Ted, who hosted me dozens of times, though we have never met. His deep assurance comforts me. He's not big on torture at all. He could probably sneak into your country when you weren't looking and say something really good about it. Have you noticed those purple blossoms in a clump beside your wall? And so forth. Since the last episode, I have completed my first uniform tunic from Uniform, a collaboration between Matter and Grainline Studios. The tunic is the sewn item in this collection with numerous variations for both a sewn tunic and a knitted sweater. I chose to sew view A with the view B neckline. So the tunic is sleeveless. It has a slightly, very softly and subtly V'd neckline, bust darts, and then there are pockets directly at the waistline and then a very straight skirt so that the tunic ends in the high thigh. It sort of covers most of the rear end and it's not A-lined at all. It doesn't have the fluttery skirt of the view B. It's just straight and then with pockets. I really enjoyed sewing this tunic. I didn't wait for some fabric that I had purchased online. That still hasn't been laundered, but instead I went with a Robert Kaufman chambray that I've, I think I ordered seven yards at one time and I've been using it for a variety of different garments. Kind of like a very wearable muslin. I like this fabric a lot. It's really versatile. It washes well. It wrinkles, but it doesn't wrinkle excessively and it's relatively inexpensive. So I can make something with it, but not feel like I have to be ultra careful because it's it's my very best, most expensive fabric. It's worked well for making a lot of versatile pieces. The things I love about this tunic are the neckline. I think it's just feminine, but not delicate. It's It's just beautiful. A beautiful, beautiful neckline. And part of what helps the shaping is that there are facings in the neckline, so it's nice and sturdy. I love the clever insertion of the pockets. I think the bust darts are, they were perfect. I didn't do any sort of bust adjustment on this tunic. And my tips include stay stitching the neckline. Emily of Fibertown recently introduced me to an audio podcast called Love to Sew uh, by two Canadian sewists. And I listened to one of their recent episodes about leveling up your sewing. It was filled with tips to take you from beginner to a more intermediate sewist. Some that I've been using, but some that were really new to me. And there was a reminder about stay stitching. I guess one of the things that has helped me to level up is to recognize that just because something isn't mentioned in a pattern, set of pattern directions, doesn't mean you can't do it. So once you know about stay stitching, if you're using a delicate fabric or if you want to maintain the shape on a neckline, 
You could use stay stitching even though the pattern doesn't mention it. And I think the pattern should mention it. All of the beautiful tunics pictured in these lovely aspirational photographs are made with delicate linen or linen-like fabric that really stretches out when you sew it, when you're working with it. So you should stay stitch that. And I think that was an omission of the, the pattern directions. So I did some stay stitching along the neckline and then the facing has a very light interfacing in it. So that helps to retain the shape. I also uh, extended the shoulder of the pattern by just about a quarter of an inch and I did a flat felled seam on that. It really helps the stability of the shoulder. And I think that was also an omission of the pattern. I think for something with this much beauty and integrity, I don't think that would have been too many extra steps to direct the sewist to do a flat felled seam. I also did some hand basting of the neckline and so the, the main pattern piece in the front and the facing, I used a hand basting method to get everything in place where I had much more control before I mach machine stitched the facing. And that was a tip that I really took from this love to sew episode. And I'm glad that I did. My mother is a big fan of using hand basting to get everything in place before sewing. And it makes a much more beautiful finish and you're less likely to miss catching something as you sew if it's already been basted into place. It really doesn't take a lot of additional time and it's, it's certainly worth the effort. Overall, I am very pleased with this tunic. My next sewn piece from Uniform will be um, the regular sort of crew neckline. It's a, like a long crew neckline with the skirted uh, bottom. It's a little more fluttery and drapey and it doesn't have pockets. And I look forward to making that in a woven fabric with just a little bit of spandex. It has just a little bit of stretch to it. And I'm really curious to see how that garment moves and, and fits. I will also be starting to contemplate which elements of the sweater design I would like to include in my knitted sweater. And I think I've settled on using brushwork for the knitted sweater in uniform. Once again, that's the Uniform Tunic designed by Greenline Studio. And this tunic appears in a book called Uniform, which is a collaboration between Matter and Greenline Studios. Acorns jumping off my Chinese house. Two ducks in my spyglass for as a mouse it's a It's a 
Thanks for listening. Music for this episode is so sweet. Music and lyrics by Samuel St. Thomas, performed by Bovine Social Club. Eat well and stay strong as you hone your post-apocalyptic skill set this week.
Yeah.